Hello, I'm Emily Hawthorne, a Middle East and North Africa analyst at RAIN. This podcast is brought to you by RAIN Worldview. Subscribe today at rainworldview.com. You are listening to RAIN's Essential Geopolitics Podcast. I'm Emily Donahue. If you live in the United States, you've probably noted several trends during the latter part of 2021. Let's skip the conversation about COVID this time, but I'm talking about empty shelves, ongoing supply chain mess that's slowing down manufacturing and sales, the fact that when you can find something, the price is likely higher than you expected. I'll admit myself to some sticker shock when I have to fill up the gas tank or buy weekly groceries for my family. What is going on with inflation in the United States? Luckily, Michael Mondver, Rain's Senior Analyst for Global Economics, is here. Welcome, Michael. Thank you, Emily. So let's just jump in here. What's going on with inflation? Right. Well, I mean, I think everybody's noticed what you referred to, which is empty shelves when you go to the grocery store. And, and when they do have things there, everything seems to be priced higher. Um, the fact is that inflation is at, at a 40-year high, a nearly 40-year high in the United States. In December, the consumer price index was up by 7%, uh, even taking out the prices of, of energy and food, which tend to be somewhat volatile. The, uh, the, the so-called core rate or the underlying rate of inflation was was five and a half percent. These are inflation rates we haven't experienced for for 30, maybe even 40 years. And the last time inflation was actually this high on an annual basis was in 1982. Ronald Reagan was president. Um, you can blame a lot of it on the pandemic. Um, but the, the bottom line is that there's a mismatch between supply and demand. Um, we've had government support of incomes over the last two years, and we're now two years into the pandemic. Uh, we've had $2 trillion of government support. The, uh, the, the Fed has put, uh, has put more than $4 billion worth of extra money into the economy. Um, the stock market has been booming. Real estate prices have been booming. And together with, with federal support for incomes, you have households now sitting on something like $2.5 trillion of extra savings that they didn't have prior to the pandemic, and that has fueled increased demand. Um, so the idea that inflation would be temporary, or as the Federal Reserve had put it for a long time, transitory, um, has now been abandoned. And there's widespread acceptance that prices or the price level are going are going to be higher for much longer than than, than anticipated. Um, the Fed has said that it, it failed to acknowledge the large large in the large uh, impact on supplies and as I said governments have helped to maintain incomes which has maintained demand. Well why does the Fed care so much about inflation? I know why I care. I have less money in my pocket, but why the Fed? Right. Well, I mean, that's basically the, the reason of the Fed, too. I mean, the Fed, the Fed has a, a mandate, a reason d'etre, so to speak, um, which, which is enshrined in U.S. law. And its, its mandate is to promote maximum employment and to maintain price stability. Um, there's some dispute as to whether it was Keynes or Lenin or Keynes quoting Lenin. Or, or Edward Gibbon in the rise and fall in in the rise decline and fall of the Roman Empire, who said the quickest way to destroy a civilization is to debauch the currency. 
Um, as, as you've noted, inflation destroys purchasing power. Um, it distorts economic relationships throughout the economy by changing relative prices in unpredictable ways that make it hard for people to, to plan um, and to make investments and to, and to add to their savings. It causes a misallocation of resources. Um, it erodes savings and asset values, and it, it leads to unproductive activities that undermine growth. And it's often accompanied by, by low growth and financial crisis. A little bit off topic here, Michael, but I remember the 80s uh, inflation cycle. It was quite significant. I mean, it, it caused a huge amount of pain in the United States. Is this something similar? Well, that's a very good question, and there, there's a lot of discussion as to whether this is, this is similar or not. Um, the, uh, the 80s inflation took a, a long time to, to manifest itself. It started in the, in the late 1960s when the United States was, had a policy of what was then called guns and butter. Uh, and it, it took a very long time to, uh, to, 15 years in fact, to manifest itself and to work through the economy. Um, we had inflation rates that were that were 14, 15 percent um, going into the 1980s. Um, there's a lot of doubt that that's going to happen now. Um, but nevertheless, after at least 30 years of, of low inflation, people are not used to this level of price increases and, and I think are acting accordingly and, and, and are reacting the way you would expect. What's the Fed going to do about it this time around? Well, the Fed is already cutting back on the stimulus it's added to the economy. Um, until November, the Fed was putting an additional $120 billion a month into the money supply. Uh, by, by, it was creating money to buy government bonds and government-sponsored debt, that is, agency mortgage-backed securities. Um, it had already announced its intention in November to, to phase that out. Um, since then, it has indicated in, in a lot of public statements that that uh, it's going to be phased out much quicker than anticipated earlier. In fact, the the, the betting in markets right now is that it, that's going to going to be zeroed out by by the middle of March. Um, so the Fed will stop increasing the size of its balance sheet, which determines the amount of money in the economy. Um, it will probably start raising interest rates. Um, the federal funds rate, which is the 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 Fed's basic policy interest rate and forms the basis for most interest rates in the economy has been in the range of zero to two point five oh zero to point two five percent for for several years. Um, the Fed will probably start increasing that. Um, there's a lot of talk that it may do so as early as March, and markets are now beginning. That is that is financial markets through the prices of uh, of interest rate derivatives. They're pricing in and assuming that there could be as many as perhaps four interest rate increases in, in just this year alone, and that by 2023, interest rates in the U.S. economy will be will be much higher than they are right now. Um, in addition to that, the Fed is now talking about reducing the size of its balance sheet, not just stopping the increase, but actually reducing it, which means taking money out of the economy and, and using that to try and control long-term interest rates and to try and control the amount of uh, liquidity in the economy that's adding to inflation. So in the last couple of decades, we've all gotten used to these lightning-fast reactions from the Fed. Pump the money in, then pull it out, then pump it in, then pull it out. Is this a sustainable model? 
Well, uh, there's a lot of dispute about whether the Fed is is acting in a lightning-fast manner or not. Um, It's taken a lot of criticism, including by former Fed insiders, uh, who are saying the Fed has actually fallen way behind the curve. we we wrote at Rain. We wrote last year in March or April that there was a danger of the Fed of the Fed falling behind the curve, so to speak, and that the Fed was sort of gambling and undertaking a policy experiment in which it was hoping that inflation would would not be higher and longer lasting than it was saying at the time. Um, so uh, uh, that that's an interesting question. Um, the fact is that the gap between aggregate demand and aggregate supply in the economy is still very large. Uh, we're going to have supply chain disruptions persisting for some time. Um, the Omicron variant is is helping to do that. Nobody really knows what's happening. I mean, even if Omicron is is less virulent and causes fewer deaths than before, it it has it's it's the fact that it's more contagious has caused a lot of sick outs recently. A lot of people not showing up for work. Um, so supply chain disruptions are going to persist. You also have uh, very tight labor markets. There, there, we have a low unemployment rate. It's below 4%. Um, there's a high number of job openings in the economy, something like 10 to 10.5 million. Um, and there are fewer people in the labor force with fewer jobs, actually, than there were, than there were two years ago. And we have a high demand for goods. Um, so, as I said, it's, it's, there's a lot of debate about whether the Fed is, 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 has acted fast enough or is acting appropriately enough, um, and we're going, to see the, we're going to see that in the next few months. Um, I can say that it's, it's, it's probably controversial, but uh, my personal view is that I don't think central banks like the Fed really have a good understanding of inflation. Um, we've had Inflation in the U.S. averaging 1.6% for something like 30 years. That is from 1990, roughly, to the beginning of the pandemic. And central banks like the Fed attribute that to their own inherent brilliance. Um, But in fact, their goal during that period was to have inflation of 2%, averaging 2% over the period. And they can't explain what they call missing inflation. they don't give enough credit to what to, to non-monetary factors, including the fact that there's been an increased global labor supply, starting when China joined the WTO, the World Trade Organization, in in 2001. Um, that's lowered real wages worldwide, and, and there have been structural changes in the global economy that have lowered production costs. Those factors are beginning to reverse. Demographics and higher incomes are dampening China's comparative advantage. Global supply chains are, are, are being reshored or shortened and diversifying. That adds to higher input costs for labor and materials. It creates a need for permanently higher inventories, which, which have higher carrying costs, and that gets passed through to, to final consumers. So we have to wait and see whether or not the Fed is, is in fact uh, correct that it's going to be short-lived or not. So I guess that answers my last question, which is how long is this inflation round going to last? That, that also is a very good question. I mean, the, the, the hope right now is that it may be at a peak, but of course, if, even if it's at a peak, uh, it could be a plateau um, that may last at least a few more months. I think that given conditions in labor markets and, and, and demand for goods and services, 
that uh, you're going to see a mismatch probably at least through the first half of this year. So I think we should be prepared for inflation well in excess of what the Fed is usually willing to accept. It is a 2% average over time. That's probably going to last at least through the end of this year, maybe even into 2023. Ouch. Michael Monderer is Rain's Senior Analyst for Global Economics. Thank you so much, Michael. You're welcome, Emily. You can keep ahead of all of the economic ripple effects from COVID. Subscribe to Rain Worldview today. Go to rainworldview.com. The button's on the bottom of the page. That's R-A-N-E worldview.com. I'm Emily Donahue. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.